Sometimes this is the hardest thing of all to do. Yet it is also treated as the mo- as a disposable action that some people assume will always just happen. It's something that often gets asked for, and depending on the circumstances, is easily or perhaps never given. It's something that can offer the greatest relief, washing over you in waves of euphoria, or can grind you down into dust, like a suffocating weight on your shoulders, hounding your every move, blinding you to life around you, blurring your vision, and occupying your thoughts as you hold someone in contempt. Often, it is sought after by a guilty party instead of actually getting permission in the first place. Withholding it could be one of the worst things you could ever do, both to yourself and to others. Hello folks, welcome to The Theseus Project, a podcast about men's mental health, and we're pushing ourselves out of our comfort zone today. I'm your editor and host, Michael Chard. Today's topic, forgiveness. Right, being totally upfront here, this one's going to sting a little. As this is a problem area of mine, and honestly this is a particular struggle for me over recent years, I wanted to address a topic that I needed help with as much as talking about what I've done to help resolve it. And as always during this podcast, I've used my own experiences as a reference to help explain what I've done within a situation. In this podcast, I'll open up about my experiences of forgiveness, the actual art of forgiveness, its benefits, risks, and impacts to your own mental health and well-being. Again, using myself as the template. This podcast will contain aspects of my youth growing up, struggles with my mother and father breaking up and coming from a broken home and having to act as the adult in the middle of a quite rocky relationship at a really young age. I'll be talking about forgiveness and trauma from going to school at a young age. I'll probably, well, no, I will. (laughs) I'll talk about my mother committing suicide. And I'll struggle with coming to terms with and forgiving her actions leading up to that fateful day. Leaving me and my brother aside as suicide survivors. As you can tell from my voice, I'm not particularly looking forward to this one. I'm going to find this a difficult one, but I wanted to share it with you. As always, I appreciate you spending your time listening to me. Please remember that I'm doing this by being open and honest so others can learn, not just men. Even though I focus on men's mental health, I want others to think of their own experiences whilst listening to my own. And I'm under no illusions that many others have had it bad, if not extremely worse. If that's you, understand that this is to honour you. And hopefully you realise what it is I'm trying to do to empower you so you can heal. So please grab a hot cup of coffee or tea and let's see what we can learn from each other today. Before we get underway, I need to ask a favour of you. Please don't forget to like and subscribe this podcast so you can grab all the rest of the episodes coming up from the Theseus Project. And if possible, feel free to leave us a five-star review. That'll really help us out and keep the algorithm happy. Forgiveness. Is it a kill or cure reaction or just a social tool? 
to quote, forgiveness is the intentional and voluntary process by which one who may initially feel victimized undergoes a change in feelings and attitude regarding a given offense and overcomes negative emotions such as resentment and vengeance. Now to say I do not forgive easily is a quite complex answer and also a raging understatement. I've been very dishonest and disingenuous to myself and others about this most of my youth and adult life, in that when I felt slighted or wronged in the past, it was expected that I accept whatever happened to me and offer my forgiveness as a way of giving way guilt, a way out of guilt for whoever did the deed to me. In fact, looking back, especially in my teens and my early 20s, if I ever stood my ground with family or friends or acquaintances and said, no, you hurt me, for example, or for whatever reason, it was quickly turned around and I was made out to be the problem. Therefore, I quickly learned, quite wrongly in fact, that by saying I forgave someone was a fast way to end any confrontation and move on with whatever was happening that day or night and leaving me to push the feelings of pain, hurt and disrespect, rage and often cold hate deep down inside to rot and fester. All that did is make me a bitter and angry person and kept me really angry for a really, really, really long time. For me, forgiveness was a tool to cure or kill the situation in front of me without further confrontation or dispute. So I can take my feelings away and deal with later in a dark bedroom at whatever o'clock at night I'd attempt to defuse the atom bomb inside my head. Anger was something that I also struggled with from childhood and the risk of losing my temper made me worry and catastrophize about losing those few who remained around me. I blamed myself for feeling like this, which now I understand was totally the wrong thing to do. But I thought I could keep my friends and family from leaving me by people pleasing and letting others get their own way. It was always easier to deal with myself than others by pushing my thoughts deep inside. But that meant not being true to myself, not being honest with who I was, not having the respect to set borders or boundaries within friendships or relationships, and not leaving any self-respect from me. I wasn't even able to look at myself in the mirror, look at my eyes, my blooded nose, my bruised neck or face, poke marks or stab wounds from kitchen utensils, grab marks or a number of much worse or deeper wounds are still fresh this very day. I suffered a lot from bullying growing up. I was the tallest kid in the class by a clear foot and in thinking about it more in some cases I struggled with learning and I got very little support often just wrote off by teachers as they concentrated on the special or more able students. Finally, I was the only child in my class in secondary school who had parents had divorced and broken up. So we were poor. Often I had no lunch, no pens or pencils or paper, etc. I often had an old worn out coat and often odd fitting clothing 
being so tall. This led to being on the receiving end of bullying at many lunchtimes and break times with sometimes the whole classroom opening up and starting on me. I can still hear the room laughing now. I can smell the paint on the science room's gas taps, the chalk from the geography room, the look of the old CRT televisions, the cathode ray tube TVs and projectors in the history class and the texture of the half-eaten chewing gum under the seats all drowning away and becoming numb in my mind with the roar of abuse coming from the kids from around my table. There I was sat all alone facing this because my parent at the time wouldn't or couldn't attend an event. I think it was a parent's evening in hindsight. A teacher made a comment about my parents not responding to a request letter and insinuating that they couldn't possibly care about me. And that was it. It was enough to get it all underway. This was usually led by one person, one ringleader, who started the ball rolling and children seeing they can get a reaction, smelled blood and kept pressing. I was 11 years old and inside I was dead, cold, and starting to fill with reckless hate that just poisoned my outlook towards others. Here I am now in 2021, admitting to a podcast microphone that if people only knew how close they were to completely finishing my soul. Now just to be clear, this is not that I wanted to kill myself. No, those thoughts came much later, unfortunately. It was that I was going to do serious damage to someone else. And to be honest, my soul was happy with that. Almost accepted it as a sweet release. I just stood there, staring into nothingness, waiting for three of them at the gates of my old school. The last final lesson of the day was complete and I wanted my revenge. I wanted to hurt everybody around me. I knew that wasn't possible. Therefore, I wanted to make an example of just these three. The three who I thought supported me, who knew me, wanted to be around me, and were supposedly there for me. I no longer cared about what would happen to me. Everything inside was either numb or throbbing. My pride, my soul, my head, my heart, my eyes, I just wasn't there anymore. I checked out. My heart was just a dull thud inside of my chest that made it clear that my soul had made and therefore made my decision as well. My father had given me a broken home some time ago, left me with the ruins of a family, nuked my self-esteem, tore apart my childhood, and made it clear that I was to be left to pick up the pieces of a once that was once his family. In his haste to leave, he left an array of old tools in the shed, one of which was a used, grubby, brass-handled standing knife, or packaging knife. It sat cold in my hand, but the blade was sharp as hell, and extended just enough range that I could do a lot of damage if I got in close. I didn't care what the tool I used, to be honest, but for some reason, this one instrument stood out and resonated with me. 
I still to this day do not understand why I picked that up. I wanted these people who I trusted to fear me, to run from me. I wanted them to bleed so badly I thought I could taste it. In my head I went through what would happen, or what could happen, what the punishments were, and could I live with no longer taking the responsibility for salvaging my family life. I'd accepted it. As the three walked up to me outside of the school gates, I turned and faced them with my hand in my pocket pressed on the cold, soft brass edges of the knife. Then something unusual happened. We're so sorry, Mike, said one of them. Yeah, kind of all got out of hand, said the other. Wow, you really took a pounding in there, man. I don't know how you took all of that and not lashed out. Yeah, Mike, I wouldn't have stood for it, but respect for keeping me cool, dude, said the last one. Hey, said the first one, opening up and holding my left arm out in front of him. Do you forgive me? All of a sudden, I felt I'd been disarmed. Someone had taken my mind's finger off the nuclear button and stood me down. My mind raced to dump as much negative energy and feelings as possible, flushing it all away. Inside my head, I was screaming to find the fastest route to normalcy, just to reset the day and try again tomorrow. My right hand in my pocket eased up and let go of the brass-handled knife. I just gave in. Yeah, all good, guys. I'm okay. I'm tough. I can take it. I boasted. When in cold truth, I wanted to scream, shout, rip and tear, and make them suffer for how they'd hurt me. Again, that night at my mother's old home, I cried myself into the night, yet again questioning why, why again, I'd accepted that hurt done to me, knowing well that tomorrow the whole thing could and probably would start all over again. You can see from that example how I'd used forgiveness as a tool, a band-aid, or a means to an end to resolve an issue instead of really getting the fullest relief from the act of forgiveness. In hindsight, I should have handled that event in a completely different way, and perhaps a lot less violent way. But the situation meant that I was forced to trade my self-respect for friendship. Had I had the courage and the emotional intelligence at that age and time to deal with these such awkward circumstances and face up to these issues, I probably would have made the problem much worse in the short term. Longer term, I like to think that I would have felt a lot better, given myself room to heal and grow, and resolved my issues within my social circle, and granted forgiveness to my so-called friends the correct way. Who knows? Total disclosure, that wasn't the last time something of that scale happened. In fact, not long after that, I ended up doing something that resulted in me moving schools and restarting my life, surrounded by a whole new crowd. But that's time for another well, that's for a podcast for another time. So to continue, as I grew into an adult and into my early 20s, that skill I learned of using forgiveness as a tool for fast relief stayed with me. Now, circumstances had changed. I'd moved out 
got a girlfriend, started to make a life for myself. I was determined to not make as many mistakes as my parents had made. And I wanted to own my own home outright and build a stable environment in which to thrive and build my life. For years prior, my mother had been in and out of hospital with a multitude of mental health issues, including anxiety and depression, PTSD from her own childhood and others. She was taking a mixture of antidepressants which were making her extremely odd, and she was combining these with these drugs with an ever-increasing amount of booze, both during the day, the day and nighttime. Often when I met her, it would be a throw of the dice to see what type of person you're going to get that day. And if she would attack you, love you, cuddle you, or slap and punch you, berate you in public, spit on you behind closed doors, or kiss you on the forehead and say she was proud of you, and that no woman on this earth was ever going to be good enough for you. This particular time, I wanted to visit to see how she was, as I was getting increasingly worried about her, and was contemplating sectioning her again. I opened the front door to be greeted with a strong smell of booze coming from the carpet in the hallway. She was dressed and awake, sat in the front room. She looked like she'd been drinking heavily all night, possibly into the morning as well. Remembered I'm still alive then, she spat as I walked into the front room. I have a job, Mum. Saturdays are the only time I can pop round as I finish late. My response fell on deaf ears. You don't care about me anyway don't know why you bother coming around to see me. Well, I guess that answers what type of person I have in front of me today, I thought to myself. What proceeded was about an hour of poison and hate leveled at me, my life, my girlfriend, and my person. Finished off with, I'm dying. My liver is packing up for all the damage I've done to it. I couldn't believe it. She's got to be lying, I thought to myself. You don't care anyway. I'll be out of the way and you and your whore bitch can go fuck wherever you want. She continued like this for ages. Comments spewed from her, such as how she'd kill any of my children and I'd left them with her. How she'd always hated me and that was a disappointment to her. And on and on and on. Finally, I cracked and blurted out through choking tears that I couldn't do this anymore. What I didn't tell you is, after years and years and years of this abuse in person, on the phone, at work, in public, in private, with all the physical attacks and mental and emotional torture, I'd finally reached my peak. I cracked. Family didn't know or even care what was going on. Family, father was nowhere to be seen, and I tried my best to shield my friends from seeing any of it, fearing they too would bolt. I was destroyed. She finally did it. I hate what you've become, I spat. I'm done. I'm out of here. And closed the door behind me. I drove home, took the phone off the hook. Yeah, it was a home phone. Remember them? And after texting some friends so they didn't think I was ignoring them, I switched off my old Nokia phone, refusing to turn it on in case it was her. I enjoyed the quiet comfort for a while, only to find nine voicemails of varying degrees, ranging from outright hate to requests for forgiveness. I couldn't deal with it. Why should it only be me? 
I'd approached all the other members of the family trying to get them on board. To attempt to right the wrongs she'd suffered and support my efforts, but no one wanted to get involved. I begged and cried on the phone asking for help. No one came. I wanted her to understand my pain. I wanted her to understand what she'd done. If she wanted forgiveness, I wanted her to work for it this time. I wanted to stand up for myself. I am an adult now. I have power and you will respect me. Two days later, she committed suicide by ingesting various chemicals such as bleach, drain cleaner, pills and booze. The blood marks and smell still haunt me, day or night, it doesn't matter. The phone call I received from my brother, the drive to her house and her twisted, bloody face as she led on the bedroom floor surrounded by blood and vomit will stay with me forever. Now, there's a whole lot more to this situation which I've not covered. As you can imagine, this is an extremely tough one for me to put out there for everyone to listen to. It's taken me a while to write this up and to stay on task. You can see why I've scripted some of it. I'm planning to go into more detail about this whole thing and the related issues over time in upcoming podcasts and videos. So looking back, I now have the problem of forgiveness. Do I forgive her for sometimes constant abuse she gave or gave to me over the years? Two, do I forgive her for how she treated me all of these days? Especially those final days. Number three, do I forgive her for taking her own life? Number four, do I forgive her for putting me in that situation? Number five, do I forgive her for making her dis- making me disassemble her life, disposing of items such as clothing and jewelry, knowing how she looked in them and the cups and plates she used to use? Number six, do I forgive myself for not pushing back earlier when I had the chance, possibly avoiding the whole thing? Number seven, do I forgive myself for standing up, setting a boundary even though it was possibly too late? Number eight, do I forgive myself, period? Number nine, do I forgive my family for not being there when I needed them, when she needed them? During dark times, I have to remember that she was very ill and a number of issues that were not my responsibility to deal with. It has taken me years since her death to come to terms with and only recently in the last year, I was brave enough to have therapy to talk through these events. So the answer to all of these in the context of what I've just told you is yes, I can and must forgive in order to grow and move forward. No matter how much I blame myself for walking away, I need to remember the good times and good events and not just focus on the negative ones. Forgiveness is worth the effort. Now that was quite a lot to work through. Forgiveness could be the single greatest challenge you will face in your life. But if you choose to forgive, open and honestly forgive whoever wronged you or violated you, you will join a group of people who are not consumed by bitterness, anger, or blinded by hate. Living in peace is paramount for your own mental health, knowing that you are a forgiving person. So what can you do about it? 
One, grasp and understand the whole extent of what has been done to you. Take the time to explore it, learn from it. Try to remove the emotion from it so you can better understand how you move forward. Number two, understand that this is a personal exercise. Forgiveness is choosing to let go and surrender any feelings, but you must make that choice with full knowledge of what's at stake. Number three, who do you want to forgive? Write this down, even if it's yourself. Seeing it on paper like everything else in life makes it a lot clearer. Number four, arrange a meeting. If you want to get everything out in the open, arrange a conversation with whoever has hurt you. Now, this may not be possible, depending on the circumstances, possibly not even the right thing to do. But if it's family or friends, just talking through something can help you all reach forgiveness and move on. And finally, try to move on. Sometimes I replay events in my mind, but the goal of forgiveness is to move on and grow. So that brings us to today's Crikey is Cool. It's a piece of software called Canva. It's available on PC and Mac, driven from a web browser, and can also be used on iPhone and Android. This software is easy to use, extremely easy to set up, and operate all your social media content from it. Now, I used the I used Canva to set up the Theseus Project podcast, set up its branding, its design, logos, print materials, everything I needed to get out into the social space, including Facebook and Instagram posts. I'm currently looking at building a schedule to get my content out there more often. So give it a go and see if you can start your project today. I'd love to see what you make with it. And to finish off today's session, a little quote from Martin Luther King Jr. says, We must develop and maintain the capacity to forgive. He who is devoid of the power to forgive is devoid of the power to love. There is some good in the worst of us and some evil in the best of us. When we discover this, we are less prone to hate our enemies. Finally, quick disclaimer. The Theseus Project and myself are not professionals. If you have a serious mental health crisis and need urgent assistance, please, please, please seek assistance from the emergency services. If you're in the UK, you can now self-refer to NHS Talking Therapies online. Just a quick search and you've taken the first step. Full disclaimer, I've done this. I discussed it earlier on and I found it very helpful. There's no shame in it. It's completely fine to ask for help. And remember, it is okay to not be okay. Now feel free to contact us at the, at the Theseus Project on Instagram, either by comments or slide into the DMs with your thoughts on forgiveness or any of our other podcasts. Thank you for taking the time to listen to this. And please don't forget to like or subscribe and leave a five-star review. I hope you enjoyed it. I look forward to exploring more mental health topics and cool stuff with you again very soon.